Hi, I'm Mark Priestley. You're listening to the Everything F1 podcast, driven by the fans, for the fans. The F1 podcast. Welcome to the Everything F1 podcast. We're going to be talking all about the French Grand Prix, so please don't fall asleep too soon. And stay tuned to hear everything F1's thoughts. Hello and welcome to the Everything F1 podcast with me, James Tiller. Today on the show, we do have an Englishman, an Irishman, a Scottishman and a Welshman. Sounds like a setup to a really poor joke. Uh, but those those people's names are Coops. Hi, Coops. How are you? I'm all right. Surviving. Good. That's our Scottishman. I'm sure you can tell. Now over to our Welshman. We've got Tom. How you doing, Tom? Hi, mate. Very well. Thank you. Very good. Thank you. Good, good to have you with us. Uh, and we'll go over to our Irishman now. Adam, how are you? Hello. I'm very good. Good. And, of course, I'm your resident Englishman. So... Yeah, hopefully it's uh, not going to be a bit of a joke of a podcast. It'll be something interesting to listen to because we're talking about this week, the French Grand Prix and any news that you might have heard on the run up to the weekend. We are on all social medias. We are on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and YouTube Yeah, at the handle at join EF1. You can also find us on our website, www.everythingf1.com. And of course, don't forget to hit that subscribe button on your favourite podcasting service to make sure you hear all of our latest podcasts. Now, straight to the preview of the French Grand Prix. Coops, can you summarise your thoughts towards the French Grand Prix for us? Merde. Uh, sorry, no. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, I don't know. What to think of it? To be honest, when it was last on, it was the Grand Prix that within the first five minutes I ended up outside doing gardening and having it on the radio. You just, I just knew it was just like, all right, there we go. You just had this feeling it was not going to do anything, and it didn't. So I'm not holding out much hope. Go on then, Tom. Your turn. What do you think of the French Grand Prix? Um, I think Circuit Paul Ricard only has the potential to be somewhat interesting however the certainly the rate the last race we had in 2019 didn't inspire me uh with with much confidence for for, the, for this year going forward um i have a feeling it's going to be fairly processional um i think we're going to see dominance from mercedes power cars and probably quite a lack of action on track oh okay that's a, an early prediction from tom there how about you adam what are your thoughts on the track you said it wasn't so boring before we started recording. Well, no, there is a long street and there is passing um, sometimes. Um, but I was watching back the highlights from 2019 and, you know, when one of the highlights is a pit stop that is normal, um, you know, the race is pretty bad. <laughs> is that the Formula One highlights? Yeah. It was like yeah, the, the Lewis stopped and... and then he went. That was, that, that was one yeah. of the highlights. He stopped in the pit oh. and they drove away. And what makes it worse? Those highlights are about five minutes long. Yeah. <laughs> I'm impressed they managed to eat those highlights to six minutes or whatever it is. Yeah, it was start, they showed everyone's pit stop, but then it finished. Yeah, pretty yes, much. Well, at least it was quick to catch up with what you missed from the previous year, I guess. <laughs> at least you didn't have to sit and watch a whole race before this podcast recording. Um, so at least we get to see some, some great colours. It's a good, a good test of your TV screen. Have you got a, have you got a good LED panel, uh, mm -hmm. LCD panel, whatever? You see lots of bright blues and reds and other other things that might give you a migraine to watch. Um, I actually like I actually like the colours. I think it, it sort of breaks up the track a bit and it makes it look a bit different to every other track. I hear to. a lot of people. I hear a lot of people complaining about like migraines and stuff and how it, it really kind of just puts them off the uh, off watching it altogether. Mm. Um, Let's detail the track information anyway. So it is the circuit Paul Ricard. It is 5.842 kilometres long, 
total race distance of 309.69 kilometers. Uh, we're going to have 53 laps there, and the lap record is currently held by Sebastian Vettel, who did it in 2019, and he did it in a time of 1 minute 32.740 seconds. The first GP there was nine, in 1971, so we've been going there for a while, obviously with relative breaks in between. Um, and you can catch it on the TVs this weekend. Uh, Friday the 18th is your free practice day. You've got free practice one at 10.30 a.m. to 11.30 a.m., free practice two, 2 p.m. until 3 p.m. You've got free practice three on Saturday the 19th at 11 a.m. 11 a.m. until 12 p.m., qualifying also on the Saturday at 2 p.m. till 3 p.m. And then, of course, the show itself, Sunday the 20th at 2 p.m. Now, those are, are, of course, UK time, so please adjust according to your listening location. Let's talk about who we think is going to perform well then. So Tom mentioned he thinks the Mercs are going to be on it this weekend. They've got something to prove, haven't they, Tom, after uh, a couple of bad races. So they'll be firing with all cylinders. Obviously, it's a track that does suit their car. Yeah, definitely. And you know, we've certainly seen in 2018 and 2019, Hamilton especially seems to go very well around this circuit. Um, I definitely think we'll, we'll see Merck probably one and three on the grid. Um, I can't see Bottas getting on the front row, to be honest. You know, he's not exactly having the best of years, which I'm sure we'll come to later. Um, but uh, but overall, yes, I, I would expect the Mercedes and probably the McLaren to go fairly well around this circuit. Both of them seem to have a pretty sorted out package. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you, you obviously mentioned uh, McLaren as well. McLaren have, have had a pretty decent year. Um, Adam, you're a McLaren fan yourself. Um, what, what do you think of their chances? Do you, do you agree with Tom? Are they going to perform well, obviously having that Mercedes engine? Yeah, I would hope so. I think, especially looking at uh, the last race, 2019, they were there thereabouts. They were a bit down in the top 10. Um, mm-hmm. They didn't really show much pace in the race. Um, so hopefully this year they'll be able to show some improvement, especially with the, uh, the Merck engine in the back. And obviously the improved as well their aerodynamics and their uh, mechanical development as well. So hopefully it'll be hopefully fourth and fifth or fifth and sixth maybe. Mm, some decent points. Do you, do you agree with Adam there, uh, Coops? Uh, yeah, I think they'll do one. They'll do better. They actually uh, they qualified fifth and sixth in the in uh, twenty nineteen. Uh, but I think Daniel Ricciardo ended up with a few a few pe- uh, penalty points. I think or a. Uh, not penalty points. I think he got a, a couple of penalties for a couple of last lap shenanigans, didn't he? Yeah, he passed two two people off the track. Yeah. So I think it was ninth, ninth and eleventh, according to what I've got here. Uh, well, no, it wasn't Daniel Ricciardo wasn't even driving for no. uh, McLaren. No, he was. He was Science was fifth. Sixth. I think Science was fifth. Sixth for Science. Sorry, and no, sixth, ninth yeah, for sixth. Lando. Uh, but then Lando had yeah. these issues with the DRS, which mm-hmm. gives you the mean the meme of like forever. Uh, yeah. So, uh-huh. uh, yeah, going by, well, at least one half of the McLaren garage, we should see someone up near the front. Uh, and let's see, Daniel Ricciardo had a, he, he was okay in Baku, kept himself out of trouble, got it to the end, kept himself on the points, but he's not where he should be. So, yeah. Uh, We'll see how it goes. Hopefully, the fast sweeping corners that you have in the long straights that Paul Ricard will help. Uh, will be more down. Will be more suited to Ricardo and that McLaren. We'll see. We shall see. Well, let's let's go on to Red Bull then, uh, Tom. Um, they obviously have had a couple of decent races, or well, I mean, apart from. Uh, Max going off and having that blowout in, in Baku, um, which he won't be happy about. But um, do, how, how do you think they'll fare with this style of track? Obviously, it doesn't necessarily 100% suit them. Uh, and they're going to have uh, extra tests on that flexible rear wing. So they might not even have that advantage uh, this weekend. What, what, what are your thoughts? Um, to be honest, I don't think they've got too much to worry about with the, with the flexible rear wing. Um, yes, the FIA have in, increased their testing and also, um, I believe in Baku, most teams had six sensors on the rear wing, whereas Rebel had eight sensors on their rear wing to measure the, um, you know, to, to measure just how much it was flexing. 
However, having however having seen the recent technical directive issued, um, it doesn't look like it's going to affect Red Bull that much anyway. So I don't think they've got too much to worry about. With regards to actually going around Paul Ricard, um, that Honda Power unit compared to what it was like in sort of 2015 to 2017, it's got a decent amount of grunt in the back of it now, as, as we've seen mm. over a few races. Um, the actual setup of, of, of the car, um, you know, the, the Red Bull is historically more peaky with, with its downforce, uh, hence why it was sort of suited better around the likes of Monaco and around the likes of Baku. Um, mm-hmm. With these sort of medium speed corners, it's, um, I, I think if, if Verstappen or, or Perez end up ahead of Hamilton or Bottas or maybe even the McLarens at some point, maybe not so much the McLarens, but certainly the two Mercs, and especially Hamilton, um, there's a good chance that Hamilton will end up practically trying to give Max a cuddle from behind when they're going around the medium corners, and then they'll get. <laughs> I, th- I think he'll be past him. You know, he'll he'll get such momentum through the medium speed corners because the Red Bull will struggle in comparison. Mm. Um, yeah, I I don't think they're going to go as well as the Mercedes this weekend. Coops, what do you, what do you think about the Red Bulls? They'll be close, uh, but yeah, as Tom says, I don't. You know the. This track is suited to Mercedes, and actually, to be honest, the next three races are going to be closer. It's good; it'll be close, and if Verstappen does get in front, he's not going to drive away with it for sure, unless there's some sort of mechanical issue or a wee bit of shenanigans into the first couple of corners. But he's going to have to defend defend well. Then is that what you're saying? If he if he does manage to get in front, well, as we all know, it's not easy to pass. In a Formula One car, unless you've got DRS in a really long straight. Now, I can't remember. Does Paul Ricard have a really long straight in DRS loads? Uh, yeah, but they keep, they keep changing the DRS points. So. It'll be interesting, depending on the DRS point, as, as uh, Adam says there. And, but yeah, it, I think it's going to be Mercedes' race to lose. Oh, sorry, I'll rephrase that. It's going to be Hamilton's race to lose, not. <laughs> you know, is choking in his porridge somewhere else uh, okay so let's talk about Bottas then because you've obviously uh, mentioned him a few times uh, within this podcast briefly he's obviously having a bit of a nightmare of a year especially over the last couple of races um, and he has got to have a decent performance because there are rumours flying around that you know his seat if it hasn't already been taken by George Russell next year and there's been a, a secret signing of a contract that hasn't has yet to be released, um, it certainly will be if he continues to not score the points needed for the Constructors' Championship. Don't you think, uh, Adam? We'll go to you. Yeah, so I think I think the deal's already been done with yeah. uh, Russell. Yep. Especially it's certainly the in way, the rumours. Yeah, especially the way Bottas has been acting on track and off track. Even since you know, when was it? Was it Emila, where he, he didn't make it easy for yeah. Hamilton to get past him? Even since then, I think he's known the writings on the wall. Um, he's just lost all motivation. I think this year uh-huh. to fight for for Mercedes. You know, if they're going to kick him out. Why should he? You know, try his best to help Hamilton. Yeah. What What do you think about that then, Tom? Do you think he's uh, maybe maybe playing against the team? And uh, maybe trying to get them to lose the constructors because he's uh, he's not performing to his best, or is it literally just the circumstances that, that happened in the in the races? Um, something which springs to mind for um, uh, for 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 Bottas is something Martin Brundle said. I think it was in the Sakir Grand Prix last year. It was that if Bottas didn't have bad luck, he'd have no luck at all. Um, and that certainly seems to ring true. Uh, I mean, if we look at Monaco, he was on for a good result, for a good haul of points, you know, finishing second. I mean, he wasn't really going to catch Verstappen. Um, the pit stops, you know, that ill-fated pit stop had already, you know, there's probably, there's probably still going on. But, um, but, <laughs> but, but but essentially in Monaco, you know, you 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 get the undercut and, and that, that's how you win if you're not in front. Um, but either way, he was, he was still on for a good 18, 19 points if he'd have got the fastest lap which would have probably put him in a different position. Um, I don't think he would be going against Mercedes to make them lose to constructors because, well, I mean, who would do that with Total Wolf in charge because he would go absolutely acker on you. Imagine the desks he would break. Um, <laughs> but I, I do definitely think that 
Bottas has been given his, not so much giving his marching orders, but I think he has been told that Russell is going to be coming in, especially if we look at Sikir last year where Russell was put against Bottas in the same car. And bear in mind, Russell didn't know things like he didn't know the steering wheel. He was racing with like a team that wasn't his. Um, he was wearing boots. In overalls. Yeah, in overalls that was, were the wrong size, in shoes yeah. that were the wrong size. In, exactly, yeah. yeah. He was fundamentally too big for the car, and he still pulled out an absolute stellar performance that weekend. Now, granted, the 2020 Merc was absolutely something else. Um, not so the 2021 car is bad by any stretch. Um, mm. But I think that that would have proved to a lot of, you know, certainly made a lot of people realise that Russell is there. And also, if, was, if I was Russell, would you want to stay at Williams for a will it be a fourth consecutive year? It's not going to no. do private development any good. Well, I think that's what's happened behind the scenes. I think he's obviously yep. put some pressure on Mercedes and said, look, uh, I, I can't stay in, in the Williams for forever. I want to start competing. You either put me in your team or you race against me uh, because I'll have other people that will be willing to snap me up. How about, how do, how about that, Coops? Have you got anything to add to the, the Williams, um, George Russell, Mercedes conundrum. It's not a conundrum. It's a, it's a <laughs> it's it's a sum like one plus one equals two. Uh, I yeah. think Total Wolf and Mercedes had made their mind up when they seen him at the the Scoville last year, uh, and especially the pass that he made on Bottas uh, during that race, uh, and then this year's just kind of confirmed it. I mean. Can anybody hear in, a, in any time during Bottati, Bottas's career where he's sitting in the midfield and actually moved forward up there? He's, you know, had like a damage limitation and came from the back. And, you know, back he was a prime example. He was 10th or 11th and stayed there. And it didn't look like he was going to go anywhere. And then, of course, because of the restart and the, the issue that Mercedes have with heating up the tyres, he ended up backwards. Uh, you know, I've said it before and I'll say it again, he's a decent driver, he's not a Mercedes-level driver. George Russell is. And if George Russell doesn't go to Mercedes next year, he's going to be in Red Bull, because Red Bull have Perez for one year. So Red Bull will take him in a heartbeat. Verstappen might not like it, but Red Bull will. Do you think they'll do a swap with Williams? It's his only option. There's no other there seat really that's any, free. Yeah, there are no other seats on the grid, exactly. Um, I mean, a, 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 an ideal world will be if you went to an Alpine or if you went to an Aston Martin or something. But, you know, yeah, Aston, they've just had their first podium in F1 with Seb, who seems rejuvenated. And Alpine, they've got Alonso back and Ocon is doing is doing excellent this year. So, And then to add... To yeah, add, everyone, everyone's on long-term contracts as well. Pretty much. And yeah. to add to the Alpine conundrum, if Ocon's not, do, not doing too well, they'll just get Gasly in the car. Uh, yeah, potentially. So, yeah. you know, he's not. I mean, what's his other choice? He's not going to go to Haas because they've got cars, they've got drivers for a couple of seasons. Alfa Romeo will probably stick with Giovinazzi and Raikkonen, and then if they decide to go against Giovinazzi. Or Raikkonen decides to retire, they'll put Schwarzman or Eilert in the car. Alfa Romeo have got that um, Ferrari controlled seat anyway, so there's only realistically going to be one free space there if Raikkonen does retire. But although to add to the space to that, there is a rumour that it's the last year that Alfa Romeo will be sponsoring the Sauber team. So there is talk. They could go back to Sauber racing. But there is talk that will yeah. be, they'll end up being Renault. Number two, a like Renault, a Renault yeah. sister team or a Renault youth, young team or whatever you want to word it. Uh, it seems to be almost confirmed that it won't be Alfa Romeo next year. Whether that's true, we, but we shall see. It'll be interesting. But yeah, if it stays Alfa, as Tom said, there is that issue with one seat being maybe not officially controlled, but very highly pressurised towards uh, the, the prancing horse. But Bottas would be a good development driver for another team. If he's had, what, five years at Mercedes now? Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's a long time to be with a championship winning team in both constructors and drivers. That's a and lot not of... not been able to do anything, though. Yeah, but he's got a lot of information about the, about the car, Fair about enough. the setups, about all the, all the things. Yeah, I, 
they'd bring him on as a driver, I think, just for, purely for the inside information. I, I, th I think he'd be an attractive proposition to the likes of, say, Alpine, who, you know, have only got an extra year on Alonso um, after this. Um, then he might have to have a, a year sabbatical. Um, but I, I can certainly see him still being in F1, uh, if not at Williams, somewhere else uh, in the future. He, he won't do a sabbatical because the way Bottas has been driving the last couple of years, if he doesn't get a seat next year, he will not come back. Yeah. Too many youngsters coming in. There's too many people that really want to fight for it. They're already struggling for seats as it is. I won't see him. If he doesn't get a seat, he won't be back in Formula 1. Yeah. I don't, see, I don't think he's a driver that can just go out and just drive around for the sake of it, like Kimmy, Kimmy does, you know. I think he needs to be able to have the ability to win races or get on the podium. I disagree. He's recently said in an, uh, in a, an article that he wants to be in racing for, in the Formula 1 racing for uh, for a few more years yet. He's not. He, he feels he hasn't reached the end of his uh, uh, career within F1. So, And, and I kind of I tend to agree. You know, he, he has still been second in the championship for you know, four of those years, and you could say, oh, it's the car all you like, but he's still got to, you know, be consistent, and he's consistently able to um, keep that, put that car where it, where it deserves to be. Well, he's you know, only he's fifth not... in the championship this year. He so is far. this year. Yeah, yeah like, like I say, this year, but he's he's had a string of, of, of terrible luck. I, I think Bottas, well, I think we'll still see Bottas on the grid for a, a few years yet, and I, as I say, I, I think personally he'll be an excellent development driver for one of the other teams that are looking to, to advance on the grid. Obviously, Williams would be a great spot as well because, you know, they've had him before. They've got that relationship already. Um, and they are, again... It's a whole new group of people in there, though. That's the thing, yeah. And we've got Jensen Button as well. Yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting. I mean, Williams is a, it's a very unknown situation in there with the recent news for Bottas as well yeah. as everybody else. You know, they've just sacked... They've just sacked Simon Roberts, uh, Josh Capito is now the de facto team principal. Uh -huh. uh, so, you know, he might go in there as a project for a couple of years to bring them back to the front, you know, help them develop. A bit like what Alonso thought he was getting into with the McLaren Honda. Uh, you know, it could be, but realistically, Williams is his only option. And he, he's not a driver that would command like Alonso, or even if Hamilton decides next year, I'm going to take a year out, he knows that if he was to announce he's coming back the following year, there would be teams falling over themselves yeah. to sign him, because it's Lewis Hamilton. Bottas can't demand that. That's what I mean. It's the same as Seb coming off a really bad year at Ferrari. If he was to take a sabbatical, nobody would take him, because they would all remember the last year at Ferrari. So he needs to get us something now and be in now. I don't know. Again, I I'd say the same. Though. Who who wouldn't want a four-time champion in the car? You know, look look at look at uh, Alonso for example. He's only a two-time champion, and he's been out for three three years. But it's Fernando Alonso. There's something. He's, he's a very marketable yeah, but, person. <laughs> but but Bottas isn't marketable. Sebastian Vettel, regardless of his four years, even in Germany, he's not he's not marked. He's not a Schumacher. Even the Germans don't particularly like him compared to the Ferrari around Michael Schumacher. You know, there's only a couple of people on that grid now that could leave and come back, and that's Fernando Alonso again <laughs> and Lewis Hamilton. Yeah. And Lewis Hamilton can walk into any yeah. team. Any team would find a way to keep him or get him into the grid because he, I mean, he's up the sales of Mercedes by just being a Mercedes driver. You know, he, he's noticed around the world. Uh, same with Alonso. Alonso is known around the world, especially in America. So Bottas needs a seat. We, we need to speak about think, people like uh, Perez. Do you think he'll have a great race this weekend? He had uh, well, obviously a brilliant race uh, in Baku. Uh, obviously, luck went his way with the Max Verstappen blowout. Um, but he said that he would need five races to get used to the car. Sixth race, he wins it. Uh, he he's he's on form again. Uh, what what do you think, Tom? How do you think he's going to fare this weekend? Um, I think he'll have an okay weekend. I can't see him being sort of like right at the top like he was last weekend, mainly because of the sort of issues that that Red Bull may may have sort of this weekend um, with with regards to 
you know, the car not perhaps going as well around Paul Ricard. Um, mm-hmm. I think Red Bull are probably in general have got a couple of tough races ahead of them. And obviously, as Perez is much less used to that car and also that kind of setup of car, he might struggle a bit. However, I do think I do think he'll still have a good, a good weekend because he's all fundamentally a very very good driver. Absolutely, he is. Uh, I can see them. I can see them performing well. Obviously, uh, you're all said, and I, I agree with every every one of you that the the track does kind of favour the the Mercedes. Um, so we're going to see a strong Mercedes team this weekend. Um, but luck could go their way. Um, out, out of the two coupes, who would you put your money on now that may now that um, Perez is now caught up in the the car and got got used to the car? Who, who can you see kind of coming out of front in the two Red Bulls? Oh, it's Verstappen. You'll see, you're still, you still think Verstappen will be in the lead yeah. of the two Red Bulls? Of course. There's, okay. there's no, you know, Perez isn't there to challenge Verstappen. Perez is there to help the Monaco constructors. Yeah. And that's what he's there. That's his job. Uh, and he knows that's his job. You know, if he, get, if he does well and wins a couple more, and, you know, if there's a couple of bad, another pieces of bad luck for Verstappen and he gets the wins and helps them, you know, and then we go into the new year next season and he gets another contract with Red Bull, then, you know, maybe they might was, they might let them battle, but no. The only way he get, he stays in front of Verstappen is if there's an issue with Verstappen. Okay. Pretty definitive there from Coops. Um, oh, they'll sw- he'll swap it. It'll be team orders. <laughs> okay, let's let's go and talk about Alpine then. Um, they, they've been there or thereabouts, Adam, don't you think? Um, obviously, they've been a bit lacklustre to start the season, but then they've had a couple of good races where they, they, they think the car's performing better and it's a more kind of mid-level team now. What, what do you think their chances are this, this weekend? Yeah, it'll be interesting to see, you know, because they've had two very different races in Monaco and um, Baku, uh-huh. now we're going to the more traditional track. It'll be interesting to see Alpine as well as Ferrari, because Ferrari's pace increased in the last two races. It's interesting to see if they keep that pace for this race, yeah, or if they fall back to the normal normal position. Um, it'll be the same for Alpine. You know, are they going to be you know fighting for you know the bottom of the top ten, or they're going to be fighting for you know outside the top ten? Um, and who knows? We really don't know. It's such a different track yeah. the last two races. Anyone. Could be anywhere. We just don't know. Yeah, there could have been adjustments to cars, and uh, we, we could see other cars getting closer to the front, couldn't we? Uh, such as the the Alfa Alfa Romeo actually started quite well with that for, that Ferrari engine at the start of the and season. The Alfa Tari um, as well. Alfa Tari is very strong yeah. on on the traditional tracks. Absolutely. So we could see we could see a good mix of uh, of of races in 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 a, in different positions or out of position entirely. Um, yeah, exactly. It'll hopefully make what can be a dull race uh, in France uh, a bit more interesting. Okay, well, let's go into the predictions now. Then uh, let's uh, go to Coops first. Can we have a first, second, third, first DNF, and number of finishers? Eighteen finishers. Okay. First DNF will be Sonoda. Okay. And it will be. Hamilton, Verstappen, Norris. Ooh. Tom, predictions? Um, much in line with Coops. Uh, I, I think we're going to have 19 finishes. Um, and I think the only DNF is going to be through mechanical failure. Uh, I'm going to say... I'm going to go with Sonoda as well. Um, okay just based on how the season's gone so far. Uh, and then my uh, my my top three, I think it will be Hamilton, Verstappen, and then third. I've got faith. I'm going to say Bottas. And Adam, your predictions, please. I think I'll go with 20 finishers, no DNFs. And I'm going to say, and hope, I'm going to say Verstappen first, Hamilton oh. second. And Perez third. Oh, okay. Interesting. I won't keep. I won't keep Verstappen's streak going here. He needs to stay in front. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm going to say Bottas for the win. 
Hamilton, second. Verstappen, third. I'm going to say first DNF will be Mazaspin. He hasn't actually had a DNF for a few races no, yet. so it, He's consistently due. slow, yeah. but he does, he's not overly crashy. <laughs> Maybe because he's too slow to crash. Mind you, still. He's just taking his time. At one point during Baku, he was eight seconds off the pace. <laughs> so I'm going to say he's going to spin. He's going to try. He's going to push it too hard because it's because we're at a more kind of traditional what, track. Pushing it out the pace. <laughs> he's going to going to push it a bit too hard into one of the corners and the spin off. So I think it'll only be one DNF, uh, and that will be Mazza spin, and he'll be the first and only. So those are our predictions, fans. What are your predictions? By all means, let us know in comments all over our social media. That would be great. What I want to talk about now is our fantasy league. We are, we do have a fantasy league. Awful. Uh, we're awful. And we're all doing terribly this year, even though I won it last year, although I don't like to mention Shut that. Up. Stop it. <laughs> Who do like to mention it? We just stopped you from mentioning it. Every time during the off-season, guess who won it this time? I'm just keeping you informed, making sure you, you remember. They all know. It's hard to forget, James. <laughs> Although I'm doing terribly this year. Have you got the list of where everyone is, Coops? So the, the four of us that joined just have our own kind of admin team league. Uh, last year's winner, uh, Teller, still winning. Yeah! He's got 1,071 points. I'm second with 1,068. Oh, we're close. Joe is 1,027. And Dan, Dan, the EF1 man, <laughs> is 878. Uh, that's in the, the personal one. Uh, oh, there's 105 of us in the, the main league. That's good. So this, could, this could take a while. Yeah, well, you don't have to... To show you how badly we are, actually, the leader of our... Overall league, it's got one thousand three hundred and forty points. And who is that? Who is the who is the victor That's so Peter far? Peter G. Ain't nothing but a peanut as his team. Well done, Peter G. Uh, Hubert P. Or P. Hubert. Uh, I'm not sure how they kind of format it on this on the F1 page. On your Mark Weber, not a bad wee name for the team. That's good. One thousand two hundred and eleven. Uh, nice. Closely followed by. Katia A, a Portuguese flag, so I do apologise if I've just destroyed the pronunciation of your name. Uh, they they also have 1,211 in joint second, and Weekend Warriors O2 is in fourth, and my phone has just decided to kick me out, so I can't admit, I can't see what his points are, but that's the top four. Okay. Oh, a minute, there we go, we're back in. So yeah, we're, we're languishing somewhere. Probably mid to low table for the EF1 team, to be honest. <laughs> what other talking points have we got to speak about then, if we uh, if we can, just before we end the podcast? Uh, any news that you want to speak about, Coops? So, Williams have decided to part company with the team principal, Simon Roberts. Right. Uh, it was a decision... By Jos Capito, they done our capital. Uh, they done a, a review of the structure within Williams and decided that it was just a bit too old-fashioned, I think. I'm not sure the wording of it, but basically what they've said was there was too much of a disconnect between departments, between racing department, engineering. So they've decided that they wanted to kind of bring it a slightly more kind of linear setup if that's the right phrasing uh, right to be honest translated it means that josh capito and simon roberts didn't have the same idea in their head yeah that's uh, what that's what i'm reading josh capito's it. yeah josh capito's the boss he's the new man he wants to bring these old people and simon roberts was probably one of the last people that the that the volumes family kind of hired and brought in so He's away. FX Dimension, I think is the way you pronounce it. Uh, it's Felix Xavier Dimension, I think, which is a play, uh, a guy that was brought over from Volkswagen, which is where Josh Capito came from. Mm -hmm. I'm sure it's Volkswagen he came from. 
Uh, he will be heading the kind of engineering department with Josh Capito being the kind of kind of uh, de facto kind of team principal. So in other words, everybody knows who to answer to. There's not going to be too many chiefs and Josh is the main man. Felix is, is going to be dealing with his area. Uh, and who to answer to. This came very quick, very soon after Baku, actually. Um, and tinfoil hat firmly on my head. Do you think the fact that, you know, they made that mistake with Nicholas Latifi, gave him the wrong information? Yeah, stay out, stay out, stay out. Meaning, come in, come in, come in. Do you think that was kind of put on his shoulders and it was like, you know what, that's one, no. one, one too many mistakes. You're off. No, I think... I think they're right in one aspect of it that there was a change in the, the, the makeup of the Williams team. But, you know, it's clear there's been a disagreement. It's clear they don't see eye to eye. Josh Capito comes from, a, from Volkswagen. He knows how to... I mean, his, his expertise is organising a company to make it more efficient, to make it work better. Uh, and the first thing he did was do, a, you know is to go in and assess the company and how it's structured. Okay, we'll go, we'll go, we'll go to Adam, because you, you were nodding when I was saying that, that, that the error that Baku, uh, Baku could have been the catalyst for kicking him out the door. What, what, are you, what are your thoughts on this? No, well, I was just going to say, what said about, um, you, know, you know, when people come in to a team, there's always going to be sort of disagreements and people button heads and sort of figure out how things are going to work. And a similar thing happened in Mercedes, when Toto Wolf came in, with mm. when Ross Braun was still running the team, and um, he sort of forced them out of the team because uh, he want you know Toto wanted to go in a different direction than Ross Braun did, and then they sort of rallied against Ross and sort of forced them out. I think as as Ross Braun kind of said that it was there was two chairs at the table and three people. It was it was Toto Wolf and Nikolaider that uh, sort of were banding together to get rid of. Um, Ross Brown. So it's all politics at the end of the day, no matter what, it, whether it's sport or anything else. You're you're probably right there. Um, well, let's move on to another talking point. Uh, Tom, have you got anything that you want to speak about that's happened uh, in the news or rumours or anything like that? Um, the, the, I mean, the only rumours are what we've already spoken about with with Russell and Bottas. You know, with with the supposed announcement coming at Silverstone. You know. Announcing two British drivers at the British Grand Prix, um, uh-huh. I mean, we've we've already covered that. It's something I think that will happen. Um, oh, I, I suppose the other thing to talk about is um, is Mazepin's conduct in in the final laps of the Baku race, um, where he was seen to make quite an aggressive swerve towards Schumacher when Schumacher was overtaking him down the pit straight, um, right, which have then, you know, Mazepin has history of doing this kind of thing. You only need to look at his conduct in the F2 race in Bahrain last year. And yeah. thankfully, Schumacher was pretty composed, even though he was irate at the time, and understandably so. Um, it baffles me a little bit as how that doesn't even get looked at for dangerous driving, which it to anybody with a pair of eyes, it clearly is, which should carry some form of penalty points. Yet, Latifi gets penalty points for what should have been a team fine, because yeah. it wasn't it wasn't Latifi's wrongdoing. He was following uh-huh. he was following instructions, and a driver has enough to focus on in the cockpit, especially when there are red flags out like that. And also for Norris to get penalty points for when he did in, in Baku, um, there's something not quite right there um, with um, with Mazepin not even getting looked at. Um, Gunter Steiner's come out after that um, after that kind of incident and the apparent defence he said that it wasn't actually that bad um, he said you know you're looking at it because and everyone's complaining because it was Mazepin uh, and it's not necessarily such a terrible thing it wasn't the right thing to do but he said it wasn't you know it wasn't as dangerous as people are making it out to be I'm sorry I'm think, sorry, uh, sorry, sorry Coops I'm sorry I completely disagree with that and that was a complete cop out <laughs> um, when, when you're traveling at 200 miles an hour like that down 
down a street track that has concrete barriers on either side, having seen two big accidents already that weekend caused by tire yeah. blowouts. So we can see the velocity in which the cars hit the wall. For for a driver to make such an such an erratic movement with the steering wheel, we're we're talking fractions of a of a second. We're talking millimeters here you know you know this this isn't parallel parking down tesco this is 200 <laughs> miles an hour whilst you're you know whilst you're absolutely wired in um and unfortunately i think as we've seen with Mazepin's other actions prior to the season and also when the season has started i think gunter stein has got his hand tied a bit obviously because Mazepin senior is fundamentally bankrolling the team so so there's only a finite amount they can say or do in the media yeah, absolutely. I think uh, I think I can just agree with that one. Steiner is fast becoming my least popular team principal. Uh, I think the whole behaviour and the drive to survive kind of turned everyone away from his actual job. Uh-huh. There's been a few moments over the course of, you know, in the past, I'm sure just, you know, there's things that we're all saying, no, that's not, you, you know, be clearer, you know. When Total Wolf comes on, he which he doesn't do, but when he comes on, it's very clear. You know, you know what he's saying because he's telling he spells it out to you. Whereas I don't see it. And the thing is, as Tom's kind of alluded to, that kind of movement turns Formula One cars into airplanes, and we all know what happens when Formula One cars, you know, turn into airplanes. Uh, you could just ask Mark Webber uh, <laughs> for one. But yeah, it was it was silly. You I mean, in, in his defence to Mazepin, I suppose, you're in a car that's not going anywhere. You're only person you're fighting against is your teammate. So maybe it was a wee bit instinctive, but, you know, Mazepin's battery decharged. He wasn't keeping that spot. Mm. There was no fight, so maybe it was a bit of instinct, but again, he should know better because that's just, it's not very, it's not a particularly defensible move and he needs to kind of watch what he's doing. He's already made an enemy of pretty much everyone in Formula 1, especially during qualifying. Every time you get into free practice or qualifying, someone's complaining about him. Okay, any other talking points you want to talk about, Adam? Um, well, yeah, just as, as Chris was saying about Mazepin and qualifying stuff, um, Perez was talking about the uh, gentleman's agreement in qualifying. You know where you're. You shouldn't be overtaking uh, other people on track. You know when they're getting ready for their um, for their hot laps. And right. I've seen it a few times this year where you know there's all chaos in qualifying because people are trying to find space and overtaking and you know slowing down, letting people pass and everything. It's a bit of a disaster. And I think he just wants everyone to sort of take a bit more seriously. Can I just jump in? Either have a rule or don't. Yep. None of this gentleman's agreement. And then if someone breaches a gentleman's agreement, whatever. (laughs) Don't put it in. Well, that's what there's there's this whole thing about minimum time. You have to set a minimum time. You stop people going slowly. And then that just sort of disappeared for a while. Yeah. And then sort of drop it in. No, he's. Mazepin's right. He wants to go and do his thing and get it done. He wasn't being unsafe. He overtook someone who was driving slower. He wanted to go faster. What's the problem? Yeah. If 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 you want a rule put in place, if it's not a a rule, if it's not a rule, it's not a rule. At the end of the day, you can't have these gentlemen's agreement. Uh, There was another someone someone recently has said a gentleman's agreement as well. Um, I can't remember who it was. And I very much kind of thought, well, if it's just a gentleman's agreement, it's not nece- it's not a real rule. So why do we need to an unwritten rule kind of thing? I don't know. No, uh, yeah, there, there's all. I mean, I suppose there's always the great area. It's like the passing it back when you put the ball out in football. That's an unwritten rule. There's no rule to say you have to do it. Yeah. And we've seen a wee bit of issues with that in the past. But no, I don't. I have to defend Ms. Eppen on that one. It's a gentleman's agreement. He's came for F two. He's a rookie. He wants to go on and do his thing. He's got a thing he needs to do in that car. I wouldn't sit behind another car who's going slow. You know, I'm get on, get on with it. No, I don't. No, if you, if it wants to be a rule, you get the FIA, FIA to write a rule. Yeah. If, you don't, if it's not a written rule, it shouldn't. What's the issue? No. One last talking point to talk about is the tyre situation from Baku. Now today the investigation has been finished and Pirelli have released their report. Uh, and the initial findings on the day, uh, they said it was it must have been shrapnel or debris. 
uh, that caused the tire, tire failure. But after investigation, actually, there was a, a, just a failure of the tire itself. Now, whether that was due to uh, the teams treating the tires incorrectly or not, um, I'm sure that's what Pirelli are pushing for. It, it, it's eye-opening, isn't it, Tom? Yeah, and um, Pirelli initially came out over, over that week and said there must have been debris on the um, you know, on 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 the main straight, um, which is always a possibility, especially you know with, with cars you know perhaps scraping the walls, scraping the floor, bits of carbon are going to fly off. And obviously, after Verstappen's accident, we had, um, you know, there's the possibility there could have been something there because obviously we had a large impact with Stroll. Plus, we also need to think about there are a lot of overhanging trees around um, around back. It's just possible that even something as elementary as a twig could have fallen off. Yeah. But given we saw two cars have the same tyre blowout in the same fashion, in pretty much the same granted Verstappen was further down the road than Stroll. Yeah. But it, it was the same compound in this in the same scenario under the uh-huh. same kind of load. And also um it, it, people don't mention it as much, but uh, I'm sure it was Hamilton's left rear when it was investigated afterwards was trying to have enormous cuts and grooves in it, which uh-huh. had it was about a six centimeter cut they found out. That's why they initially thought it was three exactly. But I mean, you, you know, had the race not red flags when it did, there's a possibility that Hamilton could, could have had the same issue. Um, and then the, the directive that has come out today, to me, what, what that says is, we know we've made a poor tyre. You don't want to admit we've made a poor tyre. So we're not <laughs> going to tell you we've made a poor tyre. That's basically what it sounds like to me. <laughs> How about you, Coops? What do you think well, of What do you think of all the investigation uh, and kind of, how they've come out and kind of defended themselves. <laughs> Pirelli are in a thoughtless situation. It's a thankless task. I mean, definitely. You, they're making a tyre directed by, you know, Formula One and the FIA. You want a tyre that can do this. You want a tyre that can do that. We want a tyre that, you know, gives us a wee bit of exciting racing. Yeah. You know, they brought the softest compounds they could, which was, I think, C1 to C3, if I'm right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, because they wanted, they didn't want it to be a one-stop race, and it ended. Excuse me, it ended up being a one-stop race. Uh-huh. Uh, however, that's beside the point. Uh, I don't think it's fully Pirelli's fault. I mean, bearing in mind this is the third year we've had this tire, and all the regulations to the start of this year were to reduce the download because it's the download forces that cause all the pressure on the tires, and that's where you get failures. Uh, to try and limit that. Uh, but, you know, if they wanted, they could have just come out and said it was debris because, you know, as I think it was Verstappen said in Dutch TV after the race, they'll say it was debris because that's what they always say. <laughs> and then just a wee bit after that, he, the head man of Pirelli went, we think it's debris, and everyone went, oh, okay. But they've came out and said it wasn't, it was, let me see, I've got uh, Tom put a post up on the Facebook page uh, uh, and it's, let me see if I can word this right, it's a circumferential break on the inner wall. Now, I have never heard of circumferential before. Uh, sounds expensive. <laughs> uh, but what they've basically said was it's related to the running conditions of the tyre. Now, reading that between the lines basically means that what they're saying is that Red Bull and Aston Martin had changed the way they were using the tyre against the director of Pirelli. Now, Pirelli have came out. What they tend to do nowadays is they change the tyre pressure. So they usually they increase the tyre pressures depending on tracks and loads and things like that. Teams don't like higher tyre pressures because it affects the grip levels and the operating windows of their car, the tyres. And... You know, there is a wee suspicion that some of the tyres, some of the teams have been changing the tyre pressures after they've been checked by the FIA. Uh, and there's no real way to check that afterwards. Uh, so that's kind of what Pirelli are alluding to, which meant that Red Bull came out and went, no, we've done what you told us. No, no that's not what we do. So, you know, we're talking Formula One here, and if there's a loophole to find, a Formula One team will find it. And usually they do. Mm. Uh, you know, when they when they when they were designing the rules for 2022, they actually had to get a team 
together that were the loophole team <laughs> because so many times in the past, Bron uh, have found a loophole in new regulations. So, Adrian you know, Newey. Adrian knew he's the king of it. King of I mean, doing it, yeah. Maybe not as much now, but back in the day, you know, back in the, the golden era, there was certainly, he knew what a loophole was and he could see it and do it pretty quickly. So, you know, there's... Oh, he's still at it today, don't worry. He's still definitely doing it. That that rear wing is questionable. <laughs> I, well, I, think there's, I think there's something clever about that rear wing and I was talking about it in the group it's not, it's not clever they designed, they designed the rear wing to beat the test yeah that's what I mean because the test that FIA done can only be done on a car that isn't exactly. moving so as soon as the car moves it flexes more than it's allowed the tolerances now went from 3mm to 1mm and they now test it with slightly higher weights uh, but you know as there, the Red Bull's argument was, well, it passed all its tests. Yeah, because that, you it's know, not you're, a... not, you're breaking the sporting regulation. You passed the car, passed the test. Doesn't mean it's yeah. right. Doesn't mean it's not, it's not, doesn't yeah. mean it's not moving. Yeah. And it's quite funny because they came out with a new test with the rear wing, and then all your McLaren, your Mercedes fans went, well, what about the front wings? Oh, just, yeah. <laughs> it's tip for tat. You know, when the, the flexi wings, people were shouting about DAS and, Oh, uh, they were allowed to keep it for the full year because it wasn't illegal. Mm. Flexible wings are illegal. It's in the sporting and technical regulations. They are illegal. That wasn't. It was just new. Do we think? Uh, do we think we'll have any more of those issues? Obviously, not necessarily at the next no. race. Um, or do you think they're not going to use no. that tire at all again? No, no, they'll use the tire again. The issue is more to do with Baku. Mm. I mean, that's. I think if you if you include the kink. I think it's what two point two to two point four kilometers. That that straight, and I mean that the load that's going through that tire, you know, because you're you're just coming off a very fast right hander, which puts all the load in the left hand rear corner. Yeah. So, you know, we don't have another straight that length with that kind of kink on it and those kind of forces. So, uh, no, I don't see it that. And then, I mean, they'll, they'll up the, the tyre pressures. They'll do more checks on it. I don't see it. And then we'll go to France and four cars or tyres will blow up <laughs> and then I'll just won't come back on the podcast and that'll be me. So if that happens, cheers, guys. It was, it was, a good, it was good well lasted. Thanks. Take care. Okay, then. I think that's all the talking points that we've uh, wanted to discuss. Uh, thanks very much, lads, for joining me today. Uh, we're hoping the fans enjoyed listening to our preview of the French Grand Prix. As always, don't forget to like us on all social medias. We are at Join EF1 on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. Uh, we've also got a Discord server. And you can find us at our website, www.everythingf1.com. Thank you very much, everyone. We look forward to uh, discussing the French Grand Prix next week. And, of course, previewing the following weekend uh, in Austria. So all that's left for me to say is thank you very much for listening, and we'll speak to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye-bye, everyone. Bye. Bye.